0: chapter thirty seven of carpenter's geographical reader asia by frank carpenter this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by betty b carpenter's geographical reader asia by frank carpenter the stores and trades of india the business of the indian cities is carried on in bazaars much like those we saw at rangoon in burma In some of the towns there are many stores under one roof, and in others they are crowded along streets so narrow that cloth is stretched above them to shut out the sun. The most common store is not much bigger than a piano packing case, and the dark-faced bearded merchant within sits on the floor with his wares piled about him. It is so small that the customers cannot come inside it, and they stand out in the street as they shop nevertheless many of these little stores are factories as well in the rear of the merchant two or more men or boys may be working away much of the goods being made where they are sold we see all sorts of manufacturing going on here for instance is the shoe bazaar shoes of bright colored leathers are hanging on the walls outside the shops and from strings tied to the ceilings inside flat on the floor sit the cobblers sewing and pegging away they are barefooted and they hold the leather between their toes as they sew farther on is the bazaar of the woodworkers where the carpenters are using their feet as a second pair of hands sawing and planing as they squat or kneel on the floor in another street we see scores of men drawing wire they have shops not more than six feet in width in which they are making the fine gold and silver wire for use in embroidery or in weaving brocade the wire looks like threads of fine silk the strands being so thin we cannot believe them to be metal we say as much to our guide and he thereupon asks us for a coin we hand him an american twenty-five cent piece and he tells the workmen to turn it into wire they take it and in a very short time have drawn the silver out into a strand so fine that it is almost a half mile in length there are a thousand men engaged in wire drawing in lucknow and in delhi we shall see dark-faced hindu men and boys using such gold and silver wire in embroidering ladies dresses which are to be sent to europe for sale the indians make most beautiful embroideries and they weave curtains and carpets which are unsurpassed in the world think of stuff so expensive that enough of it for a gown costs from two hundred to five thousand dollars this is the famous kinkob cloth which is woven at Ahmedabad in north india it is a heavy brocade of gold and silver and is perhaps the most costly stuff made anywhere but suppose we ask the merchants to show us some shawls india has long been noted for its shawls some kinds of which sell for several hundred dollars apiece the best are known as cashmere shawls being woven of the fine wool of cashmere goats they are made by hand by families who work at the trade from generation to generation it takes a long time to weave one our turbaned hindu storekeeper shows us a shawl and asks us to feel it it is as soft as down and as light as so many feathers now the man tells his clerks to open it out it is as large as a bed quilt he asks for a ring i pull one from my little finger when lo he puts one end of the shawl into the ring and draws the whole shawl through it this is the famous ring shawl of india one of the finest of all woolen fabrics the muslins of Dhaka are equally fine the hanks of yarn of which the choicest are made requiring four hundred of them to weigh one pound indeed a pound of cotton was once turned into a Dhaka yarn so fine that it measured two hundred and fifty miles in length the east indians make all kinds of cottons and almost every variety of fine silks and woolens much of such work is still done in the houses although of late years many mills and factories have been erected and the spinning and weaving are now done by machinery continuing our travels we observe that these people can do almost any kind of mechanical labor they make many dyes they tan and work leather and do artistic carving in ivory and wood they weave beautiful carpets and rugs and carve and mould brass which is shipped all over the world every town has its blacksmiths and coppersmiths and the whole peninsula is a beehive of industries of one kind or another at present a vast number of the things made are turned out by hand but factories are being gradually established and machinery will some day make the east indians one of the leading manufacturing peoples. As we go on through the business parts of the cities, we are stopped again and again by dealers and peddlers who beseech us to buy. The men stand in their stores and hold up their goods crying out me poor man sahib, me good man sahib buy something. They now and then bring their goods out to the carriages and peddlers run along after us and throw their wares into our laps we find that nearly every important merchant has men about the hotels and on the streets who ask foreigners to come to his shop to trade each says his master's place is the cheapest but we know that if we go with him he will get a commission on the money we spend the hindus have been noted for ages for their fine work in gold and silver and in precious stones they have made not only the most beautiful rings brooches chains and other ornaments for personal adornment but have done wonders in the decoration of furniture and buildings at agra in north india stands the taj mahal which is thought by travelers to be the most beautiful structure of the whole world it was erected by shah Jahan, a mohammedan ruler of northern india as a tomb for his favorite wife it is of the purest white marble and when it was completed its interior was inlaid with jewels and precious stones another fine work of that time was the peacock throne used by the same ruler this was made in the form of a peacock the feathers being precious stones set in gold in the natural colors of the peacock's tail it was composed of diamonds rubies carbuncles emeralds and other jewels and was of such value that it cost it is said over thirty million dollars as our guide tells us these stories of india's past we observe that the women of today are loaded with necklaces bracelets and rings and we think it would be fine to visit the jewelry shops and perhaps buy some beautiful things to carry back home we imagine the stores must be fine and a vision of plate glass cases containing a gorgeous display of watches and rings and of pearls diamonds and other precious stones comes before us what do we find the jewelry store which we visit is little more than a hole in the wall it is only about ten feet square and its dark-skinned turbaned, long-gowned merchant looks more like a beggar than an owner of gold or diamonds he salutes us politely and asks us to come in offering us a seat on the floor he then directs a servant to fetch a red cashmere shawl and spreads this out between us and him He gives another direction and the servant brings in a bundle wrapped around with a dirty white cotton cloth the bundle is set down in front of the merchant he opens it and displays upon the red shawl a stock of gold and silver jewelry which dazzles our eyes he lays out bracelets and rings of all sizes strings of pearls rubies and sapphires and also a magnificent necklace of diamonds each of which is as big as a good-sized bean to these treasures he adds strands of topazes and emeralds set in curiously carved gold hanging one by the other from a great golden band in addition there are brooches which cost a small fortune and we almost gasp as we see the wealth laid out before us we pick up a ring and talk for an hour before we can buy in india there are no fixed prices and one always bargains in making a purchase we cannot get accustomed to this method of buying and soon learn to say just how much we will give and then walk away if our offer is fair we seldom go more than a few steps before the merchant runs up with the goods and grudgingly tells us that we can have them at our own price the average hindu has more time than money and he will talk all day for a very few cents in doing business with the east indians we use silver and copper coins whose value is based on the rupee, a piece of silver worth about 33 cents of our money, or about one-third of a dollar. The rupee is a little larger than an American quarter. The smaller coins are silver annas and copper pice and pies. It takes 16 annas to make one rupee, so that an anna is worth about 2 American cents. Three pies make one pice and 12 pies an anna a pie is equal to about one-sixth of a cent before the british came the east indians had no banking system to speak of most of their savings were either in the shape of gold and silver coins which they hid in their houses or buried underground or in jewelry consisting of ornaments of gold and silver and diamonds and other precious stones much wealth is still kept in these ways but there are now banks all over the country including postal savings banks in which about thirteen hundred thousand people have money on deposit the trade and wealth of india is steadily growing and this is so not only as regards its home trade but also as to what it buys from and sells to other countries the imports in some years amount to more than five hundred million dollars and the exports are often much greater india's foreign commerce including exports and imports is in excess of that of any other country of asia so you see that it has an important place in the markets of not only this continent but of the whole world chapter thirty seven